would to 1 Kings chapter number 21. If you were here with us um, on Wednesday night, um, I, of course, have been dealing with the life of David. And uh, David had aspired to, to build uh, the temple for the Lord. And the Lord said, Thou shalt not. And we looked at there's some thou shalt nots in your life. When the Lord said no, I mean, it wasn't necessarily an evil thing or a bad thing, but it just wasn't the will of God for David to do it. And, uh, but his son did it, but God still had a place for David. David actually prepared for the building. He, he financed it, basically, and his son ended up building it. But what really got my attention was on this message today, we looked at three people because David, what happened was he sat back, he was in his house one day, and he began to sort of rock back and, and begin to look at all the blessings. He surveyed his blessings, and he looked at how richly God had blessed him, and he wanted to do something to honor God, to, 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 to magnify the Lord God of heaven. And David was a rare breed because a lot of times when folks find success, they don't want to honor God. But now David did. But we looked at Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar looked around and he said, man, it's all about me. He didn't think about honoring God. Think about the rich man, Luke chapter number 12. He looked around and said, man, you know, I've been blessed so much. I'm going to have to tear down my barns, build bigger and greater. And God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. He didn't think about God. And then a fellow by the name of Ahab, probably one of Israel's most wicked kings, I hit on him just a little bit the other night, and in the midst of preaching that message, God reminded me of another message, and that's the message of the hour today for this service. I remember several uh, years ago, pre-probably 2017 or 18, um, Brother Brandon had, had set up a youth meeting here at the church, and he'd been praying about what to call it. And one Sunday night, I preached on the thought that I'm going to preach this morning, and that's what he titled uh, that particular youth meeting, and he could probably go back and he might be able to tell me exactly what date that was. But I'm preaching this morning on this thought, not for sale. Not for sale. There's some things that we may not ever, ever, ever put up for sale. Notice in your Bible, 1 Kings chapter 21, if you found your place, if you could stand with us, on a reference to the reading of the Word of God. 1 Kings chapter number 21. Keep in mind, Ahab is the king of Israel. He's got everything at his disposal. He's got the finest of the fine. He's got the shiniest new things there is. But he wanted the one thing that he couldn't have, and he ended up getting it by way of Naboth dying. But I want you to notice something. We're just going to look at the first three verses. I'll bring the thought of the hour. The Bible said in 1 Kings 21, verse 1, And it came to pass, after these things, that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Now notice verse 3. And Nabal said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Now let's pray. Father, as you bow God in your presence, Lord, again this morning, Lord, just want to say we love you, we thank you. 
Lord, for that good day, you saved my soul. Lord, I know there's many that are in this building today that feel the same way. Lord, they'll never forget that day when you brought them out of the dungeon of sin. God, you set them free. And God, I thank you for that. Thank you for the blood of Calvary and the empty tomb. And Father, I thank you for the precious word of God. I pray for the next few minutes, Lord, that you'd cleanse me of any unholy thought. God, we need a holy determination today to move forward for you. I pray for the sins of omission, the sins of commission. God, cleanse us. I want to be clear today with the message you placed on our heart. There's one walked in here today, never prepared for eternity. Lord, they don't know Jesus as Savior. God, I pray that today would be that hour. But God, I ask, Lord, that you'd steer our hearts. I pray that the Word of God would fall on good, fertile soil. Help me to decrease now that Jesus may be increased and lifted up. We're going to thank you. We're going to praise you for what you do for us these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing on and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. 1 Kings 21. Already told you a little bit about King Ahab, one of Israel's most wicked kings. And he certainly had the most wicked wife uh, or queen uh, in Israel's history, of course, being Jezebel. And later on, you can read about where Ahab eventually come up with this inheritance that Naboth refused to sell unto him. But I'm preaching on this thought this hour during this morning service. There's some things that should not be for sale in our lives. Naboth, when the king came unto him, he, he made an offer that we'll look at. But I want you to notice the ownership is found in verse number 1. For the Bible said, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Now, according to the word of God, Naboth was a Jezreelite. And he owned this property evidently adjacent to the prophet or, or to the king Ahab. Now, as you look at this, he was the one that had owned this. This is something that had been passed down evidently from generation to the next generation to the next generation. So we see the ownership. But I want you to notice the offer that King Ahab had made unto Naboth. The Bible said in verse 2, And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. So he offers him two things. He said, Naboth, I really want your vineyard. It's close to mine. I want it as nothing wrong with the offer, by the way. He said, listen, I'll give you a better vineyard than the one that you've got. And if that don't work, I'll give you prime money. I'm the king. I've got plenty of assets. I've got plenty of resources. I'll give you a fair price for your vineyard. But I want you to notice the obligation that Naboth had. You see the ownership. Naboth's the one that owns it. The offer was made by King Ahab. He offered to buy it or, or give him a replacement property better than the one that he had. But notice the obligation that Naboth had in verse 3. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Basically what Ahab wanted to do, he said, I want you to sell me. Give me this vineyard. And you know what Naboth said? It ain't for sale. <laughs> it's not for sale. I cannot sell it. I shall not sell it. I must not sell it. Because that's the inheritance of my fathers. There are several things we can say about this by way of introduction. You think about this land. 
This lamb that is here that's come up in the first couple verses of 1 Kings 21, this was none other than the land. It was a gift that was given by God unto Nabal's ancestors. And it had been passed down generation upon generation. Because you got to remember, when you look at God's people, the people of Israel, if you'll remember, God called Abram out of the land of Ur, a a place of heathenism. And and he's going to build him a great nation. You remember the children of God had been down in Egyptian bondage for about 400 years. And God sent a man by the name of Moses to deliver the people of God out of Egypt. You'll see them crossing over the Red Sea and then crossing over the wilderness and then eventually crossing over the Jordan River under the leadership of Joshua there into a land that flowed with milk and honey and God had gave an inheritance unto the tribes of Israel and unto the people of God. Naboth understood the obligation that he had not only to his family and the next generation. He had an obligation to God for what had been passed down unto him. I want you to think about what the Bible said about this land. It was a gift from God. And Nabal said, as Ahab said, sell me that land. He said, the Lord forbid it me. In other words, God's not going to allow me to sell that to you. Why is that? Well, in the book of Leviticus chapter 25 verse 23, he said, the land shall not be sold forever. That wasn't a suggestion God made unto his people. It was a command. He said, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. All Naboth was, was a steward of what God had given to him as it had been passed down from generation to generation. If you with me, say amen. We understand that Naboth has this obligation. God said, don't you sell that land. You could go on over to Numbers 36 and verse number 7. Listen to this. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. You see, you, you couldn't transfer property from somebody that was in the line of the tribe of Judah to somebody that was in the, in the tribe of Reuben. It was not to be transferred because it was given as an inheritance, as a gift from Almighty God. And Nabal said, you know what? I've got an obligation to the Lord. The Lord forbid it me. I'm not going to sell it. And I would encourage you, you don't have to, but you can go to Genesis. There's a lot of things I could say right here. But you can go to Genesis 25. If you remember Jacob and Esau... Esau was the firstborn. Remember, he had been out hunting one day, and old Jacob was there making some red pottage. The Bible said in Genesis chapter number 25, and old Esau came in. He was starving to death. He said, hey, give me some of that pottage. And old Jacob said, hey, sell me your birthright, and I'll give you some of this pottage. And old Esau said, hey, I'm at the point of death. I, give me that. And, and, but what he did, he sold his birthright Unto his brother Jacob. And the last verse of Genesis 25 said that Esau despised his birthright. There were certain rights being the firstborn, the inheritance would fall to him. But for one morsel, one morsel, he sold his inheritance. Amen. He was of a fleshly heart and a materialistic 
heart and a worldly heart, a sensual heart, a devilish heart. He didn't have a spiritual bone in him, man, and he sold his birthright. This is what God said about it. God calls folks that sell their birthright, you know how God refers to them, as people that are profane. How do you know? In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. One thing that he did, one decision that he made, he gave up his birthright. He gave up his inheritance. In other words, what Esau did, he despised that birthright. And what he said, man, is for sale. But I'm here to tell you today that Naboth, when he came with an offer to get something better or to get some more money, he said, it's not for sale. Esau despised his birthright. Naboth did not despise his. Now, I want you to think about this. Did you know that government leaders were not to take land and property of the land of Israel by force? For the Bible said in Ezekiel 46 and verse 18, Moreover, the prince shall not take of the people's inheritance by oppression, to thrust him out of their possession, but he shall give his son's inheritance out of his own possession, that my people be not scattered, every man from his possession. You see, God basically told and his people not to sell the inheritance. Somebody comes, offers you something better. Somebody offers you a good price. Don't you sell it. Tell them it ain't for sale. Boy, Naboth got it. Esau didn't get it. There's many other examples in the Bible that didn't get that concept. And they sold out to the flesh, the world, and the devil. But I'm going to tell you and I, you know what we need today? We need a holy determination that we're going to live for God. We're going to serve God. Hey, it ain't time to give up. It ain't time to give in. It ain't time to give out. Hey, it's time to get in. It's time to get up and to get out into the four out of these four walls to a lost and dying world that's on their way to hell apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. The government ain't going to do it. The, 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 the officers around us ain't going to do it. It's God's people's responsibility to get up, to get out, and to get in for him to get in us so we can do the work that God's called us to do. But by the grace of God, with a holy determination, some of us ought to say, devil, world, flesh, it ain't for sale. That ain't good English, but it's right. It's not for sale. I shall not, I shall not sell it. I cannot sell it. I will not sell it because it's not for sale. I'm a steward. God entrusted me with it. Now, think about this. He had an obligation to God, first off. God said in Leviticus, in Numbers, in Ezekiel, don't you sell that land. But he had an obligation, Brother Brandon, to the next generation. Not to sell what he had. Now listen, if all you had was the obligation to God, that's enough. When God tells us not to do something, we ought not do it. Amen. When he tells us to do, to do something, we ought to do it. But when he says don't and don't sell it, we ought not to. That, that's the most important thing. He had an obligation to God. He said, I can't sell that Ahab. I mean, Ahab was a king, the most powerful man there in Israel outside of Elisha during that day. But just remember, he's the king of Israel. And he offered him that property, offered him a price. But Nabal said, man, it's not for sale because I got an obligation to God. But he also had an obligation to the next generation. Think about this. He had a vineyard that had been passed down unto him. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. I thought about this, Brother Harold. 
Think about Naboth maybe as a, as, a, as a small child, maybe as a teenager, maybe his dad, maybe his grandparents. The Bible doesn't tell us. But maybe they went out into that vineyard that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation, his inheritance. And listen, Naboth hadn't done any plowing at that point, Brother Kevin. He hadn't done any pruning in the vineyard. He hadn't done any picking of the fruit, maybe there in the vineyard. Hadn't done any protection. He hadn't protected from the wild beast and, and the things that would come in and devour it. He had no part in keeping that vineyard pure, but his ancestors had. Somebody plowed that ground, friend. Yeah, man. Somebody done some pruning to encourage some new growth. Somebody had picked the fruit of the labor and they had enjoyed the blessings of God. Somebody had stood watch because many times they would build a tower. You can read the book of Isaiah and other places where they would have a lookout where they could see if there's some wild beasts coming. And if it posed a threat out of the vineyard, somebody would protect it. Why? They had a vested interest man. It had been passed down from one generation to the next. And somebody had kept that thing pure. They had pulled up the weeds. They didn't let anybody by going out and pour a bunch of trash out and the garbage dump there in the vineyard. Somebody made him sure that it was pure. And probably as a little fella, he walked around. I can imagine his daddy or his grandpa said, Son, listen, Naboth, one of these days, it's going to be yours. Well, now at this particular time, 1 Kings chapter 21, it's his and he understands. Now he's done some plowing. Now he's done some protecting. Now he's kept it pure. He's done some pruning to encourage some new He's picked and he's enjoyed the blessings of God And he's got a vested interest into it As his granddaddy did As his daddy did Now he's got it Ahab said hey buddy I'll give you something a whole lot better I'll give you a good price Old Nabal said I shall not sell it I will not sell it I cannot sell it Bless God it's not for sale Now you say when I preach it What has that got to do with me, why don't you think about this? We've been given something, and we ain't nothing but stewards. That's all we are. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. To be found faithful with what we have been given. I want you to think about some things that you and I have been given that the world, the flesh, and the devil tries to, tries to they offer something better. <laughs> oh, I'll give you something shinier. I'll give you something sharper. I'll give you something more solid. That's what the devil always does. He'll paint that beautiful picture. But there ain't nothing better. Oh, listen. There ain't nothing better than what God gives you and I and the inheritance, the blessings that we've got. Our ancestors, some of them plowed. Hey, man, somebody done some pruning. Somebody done some protecting. Somebody made sure it was pure. And, boy, there's been a lot of picking. I'd say around Faith Community Baptist Church, down through the years, somebody I, I'm talking about that, that just enjoys the blessings of the Lord, you reap the, the fruit of the harvest. You see souls saved. You see the saints of God that are helped. I'm talking about collectively as a church family, individual every one of us that are saved by the marvelous grace of God. God has entrusted us with something that we cannot sell. We shall not sell. We will not sell because it's not for sale. We got an obligation to the God of heaven that saved and redeemed our old, unworthy, wretched, miserable soul. We got an obligation to him 
come. Well, we got an obligation to these little ones. And there's a bunch of them running around. Two more on the way here real, real soon. We've got an obligation to the children. we got an obligation to one another not to sell out to the flesh, the world, and the devil. Well, preacher, what we've been given. Well, what I hold in my hand. <laughs> Listen, this ought to be precious to you. Yeah, man. I ain't for preaching my ideas, my philosophies. I'm in for preaching the Word of God. That's what will get the job done. My philosophy, my thinking ain't going to help you lick, but I'm glad God's Word, man, this is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's Word will get it done. And boy, thank God for the blessed Word. I'm talking about the King James Bible, by the way. I don't hit that all the time. All these other perversions, and that's what they are. You say, preacher, I don't like that. Well, listen, I ain't going to say I'm sorry for it. Listen, there's plenty of other churches that sort of like it ice cream shop you just choose your flavor pick whatever you like and man you'll find one pretty close around ain't no mistake about that but thank God for the King James Bible that has stood the test of time I'm talking about man when the leather lung Baptist preacher hops up and he preaches thus saith the word of God and man it begins to deal with our heart I say thank God for the Bible when you think about this it's something that's been handed down to us it was pinned down by human authors that were shepherds that were cupbearers that were farmers, hey man, that, that, were, that were a lot of tent makers and tax collectors. You could go on and on. You're talking about human authors that God used, but every, every page and every jot and every tittle was pinned down by a supernatural agent, which was none other than the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, the Bible said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know what inspiration is? It's it's the breath of Almighty God. By the way, we owe our existence unto God. God picked up a clam, a piece of dust one day, breathing to his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Genesis 2, 7 lets us know that we owe our existence to God because he breathed in us. We owe, our, uh, we owe the inheritance that's been passed down to you and I. There's been blood that has been shed. There's been people that have gave their life for the cause of Christ and for the Bible. God help us not to let this thing collect us. We ought to bring it. You ought to be proud of that King James Bible that God has given to you and I. You say, well, wait a minute, preachers, 2023. I believe we ought to change. Listen, I shall not. I shall not sell it. I will not sell it. I cannot sell it. It's not for sale. Thank God it worked for my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my mom, my dad. It'll work for me. It'll work for the next generation. I got an obligation to God. I got an obligation to this next generation to preach it gun barrel straight. But thank God for the Bible that's not for sale. This book is about the best God. About the best salvation. About the best Savior. About the best advocate. About the best intercessor. About the best defense. About the best offense. About the best security. I'm talking about the best Savior. There's so many things that we have in the blessed Word of God that we better pass on unto the next generation. Think about this. It's the traveler's map to the wandering soul. Wandering soul, you may come in here today and you say, man, I'm struggling in the area of my life. I'm glad God can point you in the direction you need to go. Because it'll give light to a dark world. You know, it's to the pilgrim, it's the staff that'll guide you. 
to somebody that's cold, it's the fire that will warm your soul. Man, you could go on. It's the food that will sustain you. It's the wisdom that will teach you. It's the comfort that will console you when your heart is overwhelmed and in trouble. Thank God for the Bible. Now, all that's introduction, man. There's four things I want to give you of some things that we better not sell out on. Number one, we, Brother Evan, we better not sell out on the message of the church. What is the message of the church? Well, it's none other than Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and Jesus saves. We ought not minor on that doctrine. We better major on that doctrine. Again, there's not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. I offer no apologies whatsoever. God's the one that, that signed it down. He's the one that settled it. That's what he requires. And thank God, John 14, 6, Jesus didn't stutter when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The early church was preaching this simplistic message of Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We preach on a lot of things, Brother Lynn, Brother Brandon. We preach on a lot of things through the years. Yes, there's sanctification. There, there's a lot of doctrine, glorification. We could talk about the blood and different things. Thank God for the blood of Christ. But we've got to understand and make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, if you let up just a little bit, preach. If you let up on hell, we'll get more people in the building. Hey, I'm more interested in getting more people in heaven. But you ain't going to do it if you monkey up and you cloudy up the message that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Hey, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what sin you've committed. I'm glad it's a message. Good news from far country to a, to a thirsty soul. If you're in sin and there's something in your life that separates you and God, I'm glad the blood of Christ can cleanse you not from part of your sin or some of your sin. But thank God it's all of your sin. Message of the church, I cannot sell it, shall not sell it, must not sell it because it's not for sale. What about the mission of the church? along the same principle. Jesus, right before he ascended, a Galilean hillside, Matthew 28, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Think about this, the mission of the church. Brother Kevin, why don't we pick up kids for the mission of the church to tell them about Jesus? You see, the message is not for sale. The mission of the church is not for sale. Listen, I'm all for feeding folks. And we do feed folks, and we try to help folks along the way. But that physical food will only sustain you so long. But I'm going to tell you now, thank God I'm all for getting them something to eat because it's hard to hear and it's hard to listen on an empty stomach. But thank God for the spiritual heritage of the gospel that will change a man. It will change a woman. Thank God it will pull you out of the mire clay of sin. And it will set you upon a rock where you can be born again. And heaven will be your home. But you can't cloudy up the mission of the church. There's all kinds of pressures. Now, I'm, I'm not for throwing stones. I said earlier that a lot of churches around us, and I'm not really interested in what's going on anywhere else. I mean, God's called us right here to try to be a help, try to be a minister right here in this area and this community. My goal has always stayed the same. I want to make it hard for, and difficult for folks to die lost in Yankee County and East Bend, North Carolina. I want them to have to walk over the ministry of Faith Community Baptist Church. Why, preacher? That's our responsibility. Amen. 
And there's all kinds of thinking about, oh, well, this church is doing this, this church is doing that. And it really has nothing to do with the message of Christ. It has nothing to do with the mission of Christ. And listen, I'm all for doing whatever we can for the cause of Christ. But the message is not for sale. The mission is not for sale. I shall not. I cannot. I will not sell it. Thank God it was passed down to me. I don't want the buck to stop with me. I want to pass it all to the next generation. Amen. What's not for sale, preacher? The message of the church, Jesus saves. The mission of the church, Jesus saves. What about the majesty of the church? What about the majesty of the church? What are you talking about, preacher? Well, you know, this is more than just a building. You say, wait a minute, it's made out of brick and mortar and carpet. It is, that's right. And thank God, I believe God's house all look better than our house. Amen. And we got some carpet getting ready to come in here the first year. We got a lot of things got to do. I get, and that's part of maintaining. Amen. Somebody said, well, man, we got a lot of traffic. All these kids walk. We had to replace the carpet every five years. Praise the Lord. Amen. I hope we got enough traffic. We have to praise it every year. Now, listen, y'all, take a deep breath now. It just is what it is. But understand the majesty of the church. Understand my thinking. Understand my reason. The message of the church is not for sale. The mission of the church is not for sale. But the majesty of the church is not for sale. Somebody said, Preacher, when are we going to start watching movies down at Faith? We ain't. Amen. <laughs> I got four amens. The majesty of the church. There's something special about this place. It's more than just a building. I understand what the church is. The church is made up of individuals. We represent the church, but this is what we refer to as the house of God. It's where we come in and we worship. This might be a little difficult right here for just a minute, but I'm going to tell you what was passed down to me. I'm going to try to pass down all to the next generation. You just take it right here. Uh, you can say amen or you can say oh me, but this ain't a place to be running around. This ain't a place to be putting chewing gum up underneath the pews. It ain't a place where you ought to be carved on the pews or riding on the pews or, or being disrespectful to the teacher or the preacher or the saint. This is a house of God. Oh, you better thank God for the majesty that we have. We got to pass it on unto the next generation. Hey, I tell you what, we better train our children. Don't you be running in the house of God. Don't be back talking, folks, in the house of God. You say, that's old school preacher. Hey, I got an obligation to God. I got an obligation to the next generation. We live in a culture where anything and everything goes no discipline thank God God talks a lot about discipline there's the seed of knowledge that's where the hand of correction meets the seed of knowledge whoop that hind in amen it's the house of God <laughs> I shall not cannot will not it's not for sale why because the church ought to be a majestic place amen it's where we meet God. It's where God communes with us. You say, preacher, that's awful cold. That's awful hard. Listen, I, I love everybody here. But you know what? Twelve, almost 12 years, well, a little over 12 years ago, y'all could have went in a different direction. Now, Brother Brandon, we're one leader. Every church is one leadership away from going liberal. There's plenty of liberals around. 
I've never told anybody at any point. They can't nobody stand up in this altar. We've had a bunch of folks join since I've been here at Faith Community Baptist. Not one time have I ever said, you need to join Faith Community Baptist. Or, you be, need to be a member somewhere. Amen. You need to be a member of a church somewhere. But nobody can say, oh, the preacher begged me and begged me and begged me to join a church. You can't say I did that. But you ought to be a member somewhere. But you've been around. Folks have been here long. You sort of know what we, what we hold to. I mean, I'm just an old school, old shooter. I love people. I love God. But what I'm giving to you is what I got. Man, it's all I got. I understand my weaknesses. I understand my frailty as a man and as a husband and as a daddy and as a preacher. But I'm going to give you 150% all that I got for God and for the love of Christ because I have an obligation to God. I have an obligation to the next generation. This man to my left right here, he instilled something in me. I owe it to him. I owe it to my grandparents that blazed a trail. Hey, honey, they done some plowing. They done some pruning. They done some protecting. They kept things pure, and they done some picking and enjoyed the harvest. I owe it to the past generation, to the next generation, to stick with the stuff. We ought to stand, thank God, the message of the church, the mission of the church, and the majesty of the church. Cannot sell it, shall not sell it, must not sell it. It's not for sale. One more and we're done. What about the music of the church? (laughs) Well, preacher, it's 2023. Thank God you ain't going to get no better than what you just heard out of the choir just a few minutes ago. Amen. The devil tries to offer something better. One of the greatest lies ever said, we got to get the young people in. we we got to give them rock and roll music. Are you kidding me? You don't do that. That's, cra- that's the foolishness of mankind's thinking. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 19 said, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Music ought to honor Christ. Music ought to exalt the Savior, not the singer. We don't need smoke screens. We don't need lights. We don't need electric guitars. God help us. We don't need a drum set. We need some folks that are filled with the Holy Ghost of God that will stand up in the choir and just let her fly. They sing by letter. They just let her fly. Praise the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, realizing, recognizing what God has done for you in your heart. And you make melody and you let it come out for the glory of God. You wouldn't understand the pressures that we have as leaders of the church. Man, you, you need to shift. You need to shift. No, no, no. No, no, no. Thank God we're going to stick with the stuff. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. We're going to stay old school again. You can go to any church you want to. You can pick any flavor. They got rock and roll. And, and they got classical. They got all kinds of stuff, man. But I just want to stick with what a word. What's been given to me. Man, what was passed down from my granddaddy to my daddy down to me. I sat underneath those fire-breathing preachers. That's what I, I, I strive to, to, to give to not only this generation but the next generation. Because I got love. I want you to experience the power. I want you to experience the realness. And listen, I'm just a man. I'm a big old nothing, but I serve a big old God. And listen, the music is not for sale. Preacher, what are we going to do? I can tell you this. Nabal said, hey, I've been given an inheritance. I got an obligation to God. I got an obligation to the next generation. It's not for sale. The message of the church, the mission of the church. 
The majesty of the church is a special place. The music of the church, I shall not, I cannot, I will not, because it's not for sale. I hope you got the same mentality as we stand all over the house. Sister Savannah's coming. Father, I love you. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to stand one more time and preach and proclaim your truth. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that we wouldn't give out or give in or give up. I pray that we'd get in, get up, and get out. Father, I pray that we'd all establish a holy determination to keep the message, make much of the message of Christ, the mission of Christ, the majesty of this place in which we're in. Oh, but God, help us in the music department to always honor Christ. Father, I pray if there's one here today that's lost, never been saved, God, may somebody walked in here and they're on their way to hell. God, the message is crystal clear. You'll save whosoever will. I pray that you deal with that heart. God, help us to have a holy determination, a holy resolve to stay the course. We've got an obligation to you. We've got an obligation to these little ones that are out here in these pews. God, I'm praying for many of them to receive Christ at an early age. God, would you use today's invitation for your honor, your glory, and we'll praise you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement, they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is 
the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.